0: This morning, we're going to be continuing our way through the sermon series that we've been doing on Thank God It's Monday. And Today, I want to talk about this idea of busyness. We're going to talk about it in terms of workaholism, but it's this idea of busyness. And I would just start by asking you guys this question. How many of you guys feel that you're a little too busy in life? Anybody? I, I, see, last service, all the hands went up. I, it just seems like we've always got stuff going on, and maybe it used to be something that just got consumed in work, but now it's like you got the work stuff, and then you got the kids stuff, and then you got the activity stuff, and then you got the church stuff, and you just keep adding to that list. And we get to a place where we're all kind of overburdened and, and weary and just tired at times with life. I was talking to a guy before the first service and he was so excited, he said, yesterday I had a lazy day. And he was so excited, but he had nothing to do. He said, we, we didn't go outside. It was just amazing, you know? And I was like, wow, that sounds just amazing. <laughs> I wish I could carve one of those into my schedule, you know? And so we're gonna take a look at this idea of busyness, of workaholism. In an article from a paper a few years back, it read something like this. In spite of our image in Maricopa County of being relaxed and laid back, it says happiness is going to work. You might even add to that, or staying busy. They did a survey of Maricopa County residents and found that they enjoyed their job more than leisure. In other words, we live in a county filled with idiots. I, I mean, workaholics, workaholics. Now, before we get all the workaholics upset with me this morning, I do want to say this. The Bible honors hard work. It does. It says it over and over. And that should be reaffirming. It should be something that we aspire to in life. But it also condemns workaholism as foolishness. And In Proverbs 23, verse 4, it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. In other words, be wise. Don't wear yourself out of work. It says again in Ecclesiastes 10:15, Only someone too dumb to find his way home would wear himself out with work. And so it just kind of points to this reality. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. So, how do you know if you're a workaholic? And I'm glad you asked. I could just sense the, you, that question was out there today. And, and because of that, I came up with a quiz. And when I go through this quiz, I need you to answer the questions just in the midst of the busyness of life. And I want to speak to this reality. Sometimes that busyness is because of work. Sometimes it's because of the activities that you're involved with. Sometimes it's because of the stress and the worry in your life, and my wife and I went through these uh, the other night Because we were just wondering if we were workaholics and out of the ten She scored an eight and I'm not gonna tell you what I scored So anyway, if you score a buzz of a five you are a confirmed workaholic If you score three or more of these then there should be red flags saying something's too busy in your life So I'm gonna go through these ten questions and I just want you to write down take a tally of the ones that you mark yes or no and just see what number you come up with Number one question, are you always in a hurry? Number two, does your to-do list always have more in it than you could possibly accomplish in a single day? Number three, does doing nothing drive you up a wall? Number four, do you find it difficult to say no to new opportunities? Number five, do you feel guilty when you relax? Number six, do you frequently find it difficult to turn your mind off at night when you go to bed? Number seven, do people around you tell you that you ought to slow down? Number eight, do you procrastinate taking, about taking vacations? Number nine, do you have to get sick in order to slow down? And number ten, do you ever take business-related mature, reading material into the bathroom? If you do, it's confirmed. You're a workaholic. Now the question is why? Why do we get our schedules so overburdened? Why do people become workaholics? Why do we cram as much into our lives as we possibly can and there's actually many many different reasons for that But I'm gonna highlight kind of the big three today. I'm gonna suggest to you insecurity, worry, and greed Kind of drive this especially when it comes to workaholism. Let me start with the first one insecurity. That's where there's this inner voice in our head that keeps on shouting on us. You're a nobody. You have to prove yourself. It won't let you rest. It's constantly yelling at you to do something in order to prove your worth. And you want to be worthwhile. And you want to be accepted. And you want to be significant in your life. It's part of this pull, this urge that the voice keeps shouting at you. You're always working to prove your value and then you actually accomplish something in your life and that little voice goes Hey, that was nice, but it's not quite good enough And so you keep burning the candle and you keep going and you keep pushing and you keep driving yourself to do something So you've got to work more and more to keep that little voice from being too loud and insecurity if we're honest is the real motivation behind a lot of workaholism out there today It's that lack of peace. It's that unsettledness. I'm going to start dancing. Somebody get that phone. Okay. Second one is worry. Worry. Psalm 55 verse 2 says, I am worn out by my worries. They won't let you get any rest. You can't afford to take any time off. There's a fear of failure. There's a fear that if I don't show up, something's going to go wrong. And all the worries of life come upon you. And it keeps you working. And it keeps you stressed out. And yet off to work you go. Then there's greed. In Ecclesiastes 4.4 it says, I have learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things that their neighbors have. And this is the whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses, right? But you've heard me say before, just about the time you catch up with the Joneses, the Joneses refinance. And then you've got more work to do. But you're always seemingly trying to catch up. And when somebody gets something that you don't have, there's that envy. And there's that drive of thinking, maybe somehow we can afford that. And this is very much a a North Phoenix disease. It's a Scottsdale disease, a Paradise Valley disease. It's not a matter of need so much as it is a matter of greed. Recent statistics by the US Department of Labor said that 25% of people in America would prefer longer hours if they get paid more. And so we're working more and we're relaxing less. Doesn't make any sense. And so what's the cure? Well, as we go to the Bible, we find that God gives us three pretty powerful remedies to this idea of being too busy in life, especially when it relates to our work. And the first one, especially as it relates to our work, would solve most workaholism right then and there if you could accept it, receive it at an emotional level. And it's this. We need to realize our worth. How do you do that? You do it simply by accepting what God says about you as true. Most notably, that you matter to God that no one is insignificant in his eyes, that you are a somebody. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children. Think about that. We really are. And I want you to pause just for a moment, and I want you to take that in, that reality in, that you are his children, that you are significant, that you are important in his eyes, that you matter. And I say that because if we could grasp that emotionally, it would make all the difference in our life because all of a sudden you'd realize that I don't have to keep proving myself. God loves me just the way I am. He's using me in the context of his purpose just the way I'm going, that I have value before him, that I'm important before him because you'd realize that God loves you. Isaiah 43, God says, you are precious in my sight. Guys, just saying you're valuable. You count, you matter, and when you grasp that, it's like a load is lifted off your back. There's a freedom in it. It's energizing, and it brings with it that seemingly elusive peace that we hear so much about but rarely experience. I, I, I can't speak for all of your parents, right? And sometimes they did a good job, and sometimes they did a bad job. But for those of you that had parents that were encouragers, you get a glimpse of what this looks like. You're awesome. You're pretty. You're, you could do anything. You're amazing. And those are the, those messages that your parents keep, kept sharing with you. And you know that no matter what, they're rooting for you, and they're on your side. And if you didn't have parents like that, I need you to know that that's the way God looks at you. As you go through life, he's on the sidelines, and he's cheering for you every step of the way. And when you trust him, he gets just nuts, and the angels go crazy, right? They're cheering for you all the time, wanting you to be the best that you can be, loving you just where you are in the midst of the process. Now, in each one of these, I'm going to give you a question that I'd really encourage you guys to think about as the week goes on, especially in devotion, and see if you can come to grips with the actual answers behind them. And so the question I'm going to give you for this one is simply this. What am I trying to prove? Maybe another way of asking that is, what is it that's driving me so hard? And it may not necessarily be work. It may be some of the activities that you've gotten plugged into. It may be some of the other responsibilities that you've committed to. But what is it that's driving you so hard so that you don't have any time to rest? The Bible says realize your worth. God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to earn it. You're already significant in his eyes. And that's the foundational thing, first and foremost, to realize your worth before God. Second thing that Scripture gives us. We need to learn to enjoy what it is that we already have. This is kind of the antidote to envy, right? If I'm going to learn to relax, I have to learn to enjoy, though, what God's already given me. This is called contentment. Sometimes I think we get so busy trying to to get more that we don't ever get to the place where we actually enjoy what we've got. In North Phoenix, we have these beautiful houses in Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, beautiful houses all over Phoenix, to be honest, beautiful houses, but nobody's home. They're so busy working to afford what it is that they say is so important. To afford the next model up, whether it be a car or a house and off to work, you go trying to figure out how to pay for what it is that you just bought. But we get so busy, we forget the most important part, and it's this. We're not really getting a chance to enjoy the stuff that we say that we're working for. Ecclesiastes 3.13, Solomon shares this wisdom. He says, all of us should eat and drink. In other words, fellowship with those important people in our life. And then enjoy what we have worked for, the gifts that God has given us. Then he says, it is God's gift when we do that. When we actually remember the important things, that it's about people and not about stuff, when we learn to enjoy the gifts that God has given us with people, we're getting it right. When We're always too busy that we're not enjoying anything. We're getting it wrong. So God says, enjoy what you have. When you have it, why? Because you're not going to take it with you. There's a scripture verse that says this godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world And we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that One of the keys then to relaxing is learning contentment with what you've got learn to be content because you didn't bring anything into the world and You're not going to take anything out of it. That's why you don't see hearses pulling you hauls You just don't ever see that Because you don't take anything with you in America today. It seems like one of the greatest tragedies in life is to die penniless but <laughs> I kind of think, what a better way to go. You just spend your last cent, cent right? And then you're, you're in heaven. I mean, that was good planning. I don't know how you plan your retirement, but that was awesome planning right there. I heard about a bank robber one time who had stolen over a half a million dollars in his lifetime. And when they finally caught up with him, they shot him and it said that he had 32 cents in his pocket. Again, I call it great timing. Just when you've spent it all, you get plugged. Now contrast that with the obituary that says the deceased is worth $100 million dollars. I hate to tell you this, but when you're dead, you ain't worth nothing. Enjoy it while you've got it. Enjoy it now and be content. And here's the other thing: with it's a it's a noble thing, it's a good thing to try to leave an inheritance to your kids. And some I think some for some people it drives them a little too hard for that. But but the reality is that's a it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And then just this is an aside, but to give you advice in your will, be as specific though as possible. Because what you intend for blessing turns out to be a curse in way too many families when they're fighting over your stuff. And so if you're going to leave something to your kids, be wise. And that's just an aside. It has nothing to do with this. but, But be specific. All right. Key question in this one. How much is enough? I don't know the answer to that. I don't maybe think there is a single answer to that. But it's an excellent question that everybody needs to be asking. How much is enough? Somebody once said it's in response to that question, just a little bit more, right? And I think that's a common sentiment for a lot of people. You know, it's not enough right now, but if I had just a little bit more, then everything would be fine. But then we get a little bit more, and it's not quite enough, and so we want a little bit more after that. But the fact is, is that your net worth has absolutely nothing to do with your self-worth. And so, again, you need to realize your worth before God, that you matter to God, that he looks at you as a parent does his child. That he loves you completely, that he loves you consistently, that he loves you wholeheartedly. He loves you on your good days, and he loves you on your bad days. And that's where our self-worth is supposed to come from. Knowing that we are created by the most incredible entity in this world, that we were created special, that we were created unique, that we were created with purpose. So you don't have to prove yourself anymore. You can enjoy what you've already got without always trying to constantly be on the move for what else can I get now and what else can I do now and how else can I be promoted? And then he goes to give us this last one. Expect God's care. In other words, expect him to care for you. In Matthew 6, 31 and 32, he deals with this issue that worry causes workaholics uh, to work so hard. It goes like this. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, expect God to care for you, right? We, we work so hard, I think, thinking sometimes, if I just had a big enough nest egg, right, everything would be great. If I could just get a, my nest egg to this certain size, then I'd have this thing called financial security, and that would just be awesome. But here's a hard truth in life, and I think one of the things that drives us to do that more and more and more is that no matter how much money you have in your life, you will never have complete financial security, because it can be taken away from you in an instant in many, many different ways in ways that you have no control over. There can be an economy that just collapses, earthquakes, devastation, your health, ever before you even get a chance to spend a nickel of it. So ultimately, security needs to be placed in something that can't be taken away. I heard one person one time said, how about your savings account? They can't take that away, except a couple years ago in Cyprus. The bank did just that. The bank was going to fail, and so it took the savings of all their holders, if you had over a certain amount. Now, hear me say this. It's important to save. The Bible says that we are to save. It's a a, a financially responsible way to live life. But your ultimate security can't be your savings account. You've got to put it in something that cannot be taken away from you. And the only thing that cannot be taken away from you is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you can give that away, but nobody on this earth, nobody in, in all of the universe can take it away from you. And when you have that kind of attitude, I want you to notice the benefit. Proverbs 14.30, it says, A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. And so if you want to live longer, if you want to have more fun while you're living, God says we need to learn to relax. I told somebody the other day the two rules for relaxation. Don't sweat the small stuff. And number two, realize it's all small stuff, right? Because that's the way God looks at it. He really does. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. And so here's the key question with this one. Am I really trusting God? Am I really trusting him? If I'm trying in this frantic search of work to make it, am I really trying more than I'm trusting? Again, am I really trusting God with my life? Because when you think about it, resistance to rest is a mark of immaturity. Kids hate to go to bed, right? But you know you have to force them or they're gonna be worthless the next day. But you find yourself saying to immature children, just trust me, you'll feel better. You'll feel better if you get some rest. it will make a whole difference in your day tomorrow. And I think that's what God wants to say to a lot of us here this morning. Just trust me. You'll feel better. You'll feel a whole lot better if you just trust me and get some rest. And I say that because the fact is that some of you this morning are running on empty. It may not just be because of work, but it's like in our family, you got the work, and then you got the swim, and then you got the school stuff, and then you got church stuff, and then you got family if there's time, and you, you, know, you try to carve out stuff until there's nothing left. But you're emotionally drained as a result. You're out of gas. You've worked so hard, and you don't know how to keep yourself from, from keeping going. You don't know how to get off the treadmill. And so Jesus speaks into that noise. He says this in Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and overburdened, and I'll give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me, applying some of the things that we talked about today, and you'll find rest for your souls. God's just saying, I want to give you guys rest. Maybe not the lazy day that my friend was talking about, but but rest that gives you a perspective on life again. A rest that allows you to enjoy the people and the gifts that God has given you. Time to ponder, time to connect with Him. You're overburdened, you're stressed out, you don't know how to quit working, and so He says, Come to me and I'll teach you how to rest. I think some of you here this morning need to ask some of those that are closest to you and ask them, Am I a workaholic? And be prepared for the answer. Because work can become an addiction. It's a fix, it's a narcotic. You have to keep on going to stay high. And if you don't keep going, if somehow you have a lazy day, you start to freak out, you're worried that you'll feel bad. So you don't slow down. But the Bible says that that's dumb. It's a dumb way to live life. For God has already said that you matter to him, that he loves you, that you are forgiven, that you are his, that he's made you unique and for a purpose. And so he says to you, come to me, all of you who are weary and overburdened, and I'll give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls. My prayer this morning is that you let God do that for you in your life today. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you repentant this morning, because the reality is that there's a lot of us in here who are really, really too busy. We become overburdened. We become weary. We feel like we're just sometimes going through the motions. We've got so much stuff going on and so little time to do it. When we went through those 10 questions that are, are you a workaholic? We, we found ourselves condemning ourselves a little bit more than we thought going in. It's just become part of life. It's just the way it is we say to ourselves. "But Father, you remind us this morning that you have a better way a way that prioritizes the most important things, which are the people in our life, which is you. Father, we pray that we would enjoy these people more, that we'd enjoy the gifts that you've given us, and that we take some pauses along in life to remember that. Father, give us strength today. Give us an opportunity to look at our schedules and maybe be wiser in what we do. Father, we pray for your wisdom, for your strength, and for the reminder that we matter and that we're valuable and that you love us. We pray that today in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.